Amen. Come on, somebody. Why are you so quiet today? What's going on? I'm going to set. Is that all right? It looks so terrible in that video. I look like I'm 75,000 years old. You, yeah, uh, I'm going to give an excuse. Um, I think the morning that we, uh, to pour that dry goods uh, store floor, uh, they were going to do it with mixers. And I'm like, mixers, you got to be kidding me. Don't they have ready mix in Thailand? And he's like, yeah, they have ready mix, but we weren't going to use it. I'm like, you are going to use it. You are, you are for sure going to use it. you got to be crazy. You want this to take five months? I mean, so they have ready mix. So, so I mean, like, we'll pay for it. Well, how much is it? This is David. So David calls up. He gets the price on the ready mix. I don't have time for this, but I got to give you an excuse why it looks so bad. So, I'm, I mean, prepping that, uh, prepping that concrete pour, um, we're trying to spread uh, mounds of fill that they had put inside the foundation uh, with boards attached, you know, two by, like two by fours attached to other boards, you know, and that was to be our screen. You had to be there. Then we had to pour that concrete that day, and then we were trying to mix color into it. It was, it was, it was great. So at the end of a of a at the end of a twenty six hour day, Joel says, "I want to film you, Pastor. Where are you at?" It's like I want I want to film you saying something. Yeah, now that I'm dead, go ahead. <laughs> dead people talk. That should have been the title of that. All right. Um. Now, I'm going to talk to you about uh, the reward on serving today. Now, the reason I'm going to set is because uh, two weeks ago, I kind of blew out my voice pretty bad. Three, three Sundays ago. So this is my end. So last Sunday, I got up here and got way too excited and did it again. And so uh, the only way to kind of control myself and to keep from having a blowout is to stays still. So I'm going to attempt to not move today. And potentially this will be kind of like a four-square Jerry Cook from Gresham, Oregon. You know, I don't know. Probably not. <clears throat> um, the, the title of my sermon today is Faith Works. I haven't preached in so long I thought I should have a title. Uh, but then I thought it should be called Got Faith, question mark, like Got Milk. Uh, but then the answer to that would be, of course you don't. Most Christians don't. And I'm like, what? That'd be terrible. That's so mean. How can you talk that way? These are Christians. All right. So we'll just go faith works. Okay, faith works. But it's kind of a double meaning, like faith works, but, but faith also works. Did you get it? I don't know if you got it. Michael got it. All right, so faith works. So um, here's my question. You know, this thing doesn't, it's not sloped. 
So this is this is going to be this is going to be challenging. But could it be that we have? Uh, um, oh, I, di- I did something this week, by the way. Uh, I fell I fell for a leader loss. I fell for a leader loss. You know what a loss leader is? Leader loss. Anybody been in retail? How many of you do Black Friday? How many of you do Black Friday? Black Friday shopping. Are you serious? Three of you do Black Friday shopping? What do the rest of you do? Eat turkey all night? How long can you eat a turkey? Lord have mercy. That's, there's tryptophan in that stuff. You'll fall asleep if you eat too much of it. All right, so we, historically, I've always done a lot of Black Friday shopping. And, of course, Black Friday shopping is all about a loss leader or a leader loss. It's to lead you into the store so you'll buy more. You'll buy something you didn't intend to buy because you bought the sale item. You'll spend regular money on the regular item. And so last week, this last week, I fell for a loss leader. Um, I, I, got messed, I got messed up. I got kind of confused. Caleb, uh, Caleb got LASIK on his eyes, you know. Uh, and so he had been telling me about getting LASIK. And so the last I remember hearing is that he went to LASIK Plus. I asked him about it. So the last I remember him, it was LASIK Plus. So, and he said it's 250 per eye. So four weeks ago, I tore my last contact lens. So then I thought, well, I'm going to check out this LASIK Plus, 250 per eye. That's pretty good. Hey, Dad can do that. <laughs> All right, so I'm, I schedule an appointment with LASIK Plus. So I go there this week, right? I go to LASIK Plus, and uh, it is a cotton-picking loss leader. It's a leader loss, okay? You get in there, and they tell you the truth. But they don't tell you the truth till after you've, you know, you've been snookered. So you, you thoroughly get snookered, and then after you're thoroughly snookered, then they're like, oh, no. What brought you in? Well, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in after that 250 per thing, you know. And then they're like, oh, well, you got to have nearly perfect vision for that. They didn't tell you that? And then they go on to this thing about, oh, yeah, I mean, your eyes are so bad, it's, it's, it's a miracle you drove here today. <laughs> and then they're, you know, I mean, and then, you know, and so they tell you, you know, oh, yeah, you've got to have, you know, your cornea's got to be this, and you've got to have only, you know, at the most minus one power, and they're going on and on about that. And so, you know, we don't think you'll qualify. But nonetheless, though we don't think you'll qualify, I mean, you know, we're really reasonable. We're, you know, hundreds of dollars beyond the, below the national average. This won't be bad at all. And anyway, so, so I, okay, I'll set through the rest of it. So I go through the rest of it. And, you know, I was hoping for maybe 500 per eye, maybe 600 per eye. How about 8,000 per eye? Your eyes are so bad. No, 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 it wasn't quite that bad. But after my, after my super discount, it was 1,500 per eye. I'm like, even your coffee wasn't good enough for me to go through that. I mean, it's just like nothing. But I got snookered. I called Caleb afterwards. I'm like, where did you go? What happened? I got snookered by LASIK Plus. What? I thought you went to LASIK Plus. What'd you do? No, Dad, I didn't go there. Didn't I tell you? I switched. I found that they had a leader loss. (laughs) They tricked you. You know, they just tried to trick you. You didn't figure that out? Yeah, I figured that out, Dad. I mean, son, but, and then, so we're talking on the phone, and I'm like, you know, too bad the kingdom doesn't have a leader loss. Suck everybody in, they all come, then we trick them. Then they buy in anyway. 
I mean, this is how you get so many customers. You get so many customers customers to come in the door with a, a leader loss, a loss leader, right? And so he's like, Dad, they do. We do have a, we do have a loss leader. I'm like, we do? <laughs> Preach to me, child of God. <laughs> like, what is it? He's like, it's the favor of the Lord, Dad. The favor of the Lord is the lost leader. And I got to thinking about that, but today I got to thinking about it with regard to service. And I want to I put that into context, into the context of, of team church, into the context of building a great church, building a great people, into the context of, of serving. Um, because, as you know, a part of becoming a great believer a great church, uh, an effective kingdom is serving, learning to serve. And I, I want to put it in the context of that because though as Caleb and I were uh, dialoguing over this leader loss that we have in the kingdom, I really believe that it's attached to serving. That it's actually not attached to saving faith, it's attached to serving faith. And so I want to mess you with you a little bit in that way and, and, and talk with you a little bit in that line. Because I think, that, I think that we tend to think that the favor of God, the blessing of God, the overflow of God, the abundance of God, we tend to think that if, if we do believe that it's upon us, if we do believe we have it, if we do believe it's ours, we tend to think that it's just an overflow of saving faith. Uh, but I want to encourage you that saving faith is more, um, is more the pathway to eternal life. It is not the pathway to eternal blessing. So, and the precedent, you know, the precedent throughout the Scripture is that uh, all these sons and daughters who come to know the Lord, they come into the kingdom, they get to know God, they're all called to do something. God doesn't just shoot them right after they're saved. Uh, it, it, it seems that they actually have a purpose for him that they'll work out, and it seems the reward on their life is related to that purpose. It's related somehow to obedience. And all of this begins with the first promise of obedience to Abraham. If you leave your father's family... If you go to the land that I'm showing you, then I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and all of the tribes of the earth will be blessed through you. It starts with that. It start, and, it, and ever since that day, it's been that the blessing of God, the, the increase of God, the favor of God, is not so much related to just that you prayed the prayer just that you gave your life to the Lord, just that you came to the altar, just that you believed that he, Jesus, was your connection to Father and your forgiveness of sins, but that you heard from him subsequent to that, that you began to follow him, that you began to serve him with gladness. fact is, that is Psalm 100, that we would serve the Lord with gladness. Not just worship the Lord with gladness, not just attend a church with gladness, but that we would serve the Lord with gladness. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord. Everybody say, serve the Lord. 
wow, this is crazy. And it's not, it's not just, uh, uh, anyway, so nonetheless, are you okay with that? So that's one, I think that's one aspect, and I only have a few minutes this morning, but that's one aspect of what I want you to catch or grasp is that I think there's something deeper than saving faith. I think there's something for you to do. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, we have been created in him for good works, which he prepared in advance that we should walk in. We have been created. We've been made new. We've been, we've been made new creatures for good works that he has created for us to walk in. Amen? Serve. What is serving? What is serving? We serve the Lord by feeding the poor, the Bible says in Matthew 25. That's Jesus. Visiting those in prison, even giving water to the thirsty. We serve the Lord by serving one another. By the way, you that put in that water system over in Uganda, you were serving the Lord. Hallelujah, somebody. We serve the Lord by serving one another. We serve the Lord by serving the body of Christ. And it's how we please the Lord. We serve the Lord in evangelism. We serve the Lord by teaching the children about Jesus. Carla has devoted 25 years to serving the Lord. When, uh, 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 when, when you come in and you're a part of a body, you're added to a fellowship, you're knit to a congregation, uh, you're called to a family, but you won't care about their children, you're missing the heart of Jesus. You've got a Pharisee spirit, which Jesus rebuked the disciples over, and those gathered around him and said, uh, no, 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 don't shoo the children away. Bring the children near, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And so we, we don't want to have that spirit on us. If you've raised your children, guess what? You get to help the next generation raise theirs. You have a word in your mouth. You have wisdom. You have, you have something about you that needs to be poured out down that hallway to the left and to the right. Jerry was right. And the spirit of this age is to uh, either worship children, be so child-centered that the children are now in charge, so that's wrong, or the spirit of this age is to kill the children and to belittle the children because they have no value to my superior life. We don't want either one of those spirits having any place in us or in this house. We want the spirit of Jesus in this place. Amen? So we serve the Lord by teaching the children. We serve the Lord by caring for his flock. We serve the Lord by, and by, that's even feeding the flock. Did you know you're a feeder? Jesus said in John 21 uh, to John, uh, Jesus said, uh, do you love me? And he's uh, feeding him fish. They came in from fishing. It was after the resurrection. He's feeding him fish. He fried up some fish. It was a fresh barbecue, seaside barbecue. And uh, Jesus says, do you love me? And John says, Lord, you know I do. And he says, feed my sheep. And he said, do you, do you love me more than these? And he's pointing to the fish. He's a fisherman. And he might be asking you the same question today. You're a carpenter, and he might say, do you love me more than this tool belt? 
Do you love me more than this skill saw? You're a real estate agent. Do you love me more than the contract you were going to sign on Sunday with somebody? He, he might be saying, it's something to do with your vocation, something to do with what you think is the preeminent thing in your life. And he's saying there's something higher, that in the midst of what you think is preeminent, will you feed my sheep? It doesn't mean abandon fishing. It means make sure you make the supreme thing the supreme thing in the midst of what you're doing. A lot of shouting in here. We serve the Lord in these ways. We serve the Lord even in his house. His house is important. He said, my house will be preeminently called a house of prayer. And, uh, and he says, by the way, in Amos chapter 6, and he says it in Acts chapter 3, he says, I'm restoring the house of David. It's the house of Zion. So the house is important. How many of you know this house is important? The house you're knit to, the house you're called to, the house you're joined to is important. We serve the Lord in these ways. All serving is the giving up of something. Something and someone, personal, something that would benefit me personally in order to benefit someone else. That's serving. It comes from the same word as doma in the Greek. It comes from the, some, from the same word as ministry, serving and ministry. These are synonymous terms that when you're serving, you're actually in the ministry. If you think you're not in the ministry, you're actually called to full-time ministry. Everywhere you go, you're called to serve to serve the Lord, and to serve the Lord by doing some of these things that we're talking about. This is not exhaustive by any means, but, but this is serving. It pleases the Lord that we would serve. Amen? It's giving up something for the sake of the Lord, giving up something for a right motive, and giving up something uh, to bless the Lord. But uh, I want to mention something to us with regard to all of this is that I think that's important is that I think most of us have been trained to serve with a martyr spirit. Now, this is interesting because we got this dichotomous thing going on. On one hand, we think we're blessed just because we got saved. On the other hand, uh, we don't believe that there's a reward attached to our serving. Now, the reason we don't believe there's a reward attached to our serving is because historically for hundreds of years, maybe 2,000 years, we have had a martyr spirit predominantly loosed in the church, whereas we think that it is wrong to believe for or expect something from God when we serve. Now, maybe this doesn't affect you. I could be in totally the wrong church this morning. If I am, I'm absolutely rejoicing. But since this has been a predominant theological theme and still is today in many streams, it could be that it affects you more than you think it affects you. And so subconsciously, it's actually hindering you from serving. Because instead of choosing serving first, instead of following after serving, instead of running to serving, you're running away from serving. I think we run to salvation, but we run from serving. Not New Horizon Christians, of course, but 
But this martyr spirit, I want to I talk about that a little bit. We, we don't attach a reward to obedience or agreement or following or serving. We've actually been taught and trained theologically in our churches uh, to attach a lack of reward to it, that we're supposed to serve just because we love the Lord. Don't expect anything of your serving. Just serve because you love the Lord. Well, why do the two of those things have to be in disagreement with one another? Why? Why? If I, um, if I serve you because I love you, might that not produce something good out of you? And could it be that I can attach both motives to one act of kindness? I want to develop a greater relationship with you. I mean, we talked to people about this in their marriages all the time, is that instead of yelling about what you expect from your spouse, why don't you start sowing good seeds into your spouse, and they will become the garden that automatically begins to produce a harvest that you can reap from. Well, don't you think the kingdom is the same way? But yet we have been taught, don't expect anything from God. So the problem is, if we're taught, don't expect anything from God when you serve, then we don't exercise our faith. And any time your faith has been canceled, killed, squashed, sabotaged, then you actually stop what it is that God wanted to give you. This would be like me pouring out love into my wife, pouring out proper response, pouring out patience or the fruit of the Spirit into my wife. This would be like me treating her like a garden that I was sowing good seed into, but when she begins to respond back to me more graciously, more patiently, more kindly, I say, no, stop, stop, stop. I don't want that. I want that unclean response. Please, please continue to treat me like a jerk. This is kind of what we're doing to God, uh, and we don't realize it when we circumvent our faith. And the other thing that we're doing, not only are we harming the harvest that God wants to pour out upon us, but we are, and this is why this lie that the enemy has sown into the church is so huge, we are circumventing inner motivation because we are actually killing the law of reciprocity. Hold it, hold it. You just called it a law. How can you kill the law of reciprocity? Well, because the law of reciprocity works by faith in the spirit realm. And so you actually can do something with an unwilling heart. You can actually do something good with an unwilling heart and kill the harvest that should have been attached to it. Let's go over to Isaiah 1, 17 through 19, uh, and just read that real quick while we're on that topic. He starts here, this is a little bit of a rebuke, a little bit of a diatribe from Isaiah to the people of God. He says, learn to do what's right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though the red is crimson, they shall be like wool. 
if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. The martyr spirit will allow you to be obedient, but it will kill the heart of willing. So the martyr spirit responds to Jerry or Carla and says, yeah, I'll, I'll serve back there for a couple months with the kids. Why, why are you going to do that? Well, because I've got to be obedient. Oh, well, are you willing? Well, not really. I mean, I don't want to. I'd rather be out in church with the big people. Well, then just go ahead back out to church then, because you just killed your reward. You just killed you, your attitude, the lack of faith in your heart to where you're serving. See, faith, faith really in something that we're called to do and what we as Christians are called to do, what, what a rhema calls you to do, what the Lord calls you to do, what the Word calls you to do, faith actually has to be attached to a reward or it's really not true faith. This is interesting to think about. Now, you can have saving faith and not have purpose-driven faith. So here he says you have to be willing and obedient if you're going to eat the best of the land. If you're obedient only, then that means you're standing up on the outside but setting down on the inside. That means you've got a contradiction. You, you have a lack of integrity between the inner and the outer man. And if you have that, then God can't reward you. God seeks to reward you. God wants to reward you. But your lack of faith toward what it is you're called to do as a believer, as a Christian, as a son, a daughter of God, is going to circumvent your harvest. Now, I think personally that, that serving the Lord, I, I think serving the Lord is, uh, I, I, I don't know, I think the harvest, the, the harvest meant by God on serving him in the ways that we're called to serve, as well as in the rhema word that God brings us as sons and daughters, I think that the harvest on that is meant to be mind-boggling. Like beyond description, mind-boggling. But I think very few of us enter into it because we're running from serving way too much instead of running to serving. And the reason we're running from serving is because of this errant theology that we've been taught that it's wrong, it's a wrong motive to expect something from God when you serve. Okay? Uh, love, could you go back and fill that thing up with hot water out of the coffee spout? I guess I've only got a minute, don't I? It's going to take you a minute to get hot water. Malachi chapter 3.13, your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. And yet you say, what have we spoken against you? And then the Lord says, you have said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we've kept his charge?
Isaiah 58, 13. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the heights. You got the... You get a different translation back there. I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and the feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. Wow, there's so many scriptures on this. Uh, but, but, but my alarm just went off. Uh, I want the band to come. We want to stand. <clears throat> Aren't you in the band? Let's stand up. Father wants you to use, Father wants us, Father wants me to use our faith in serving him. And the way we use our faith, we, we have to attach, we, we literally have to be intentional if we're going to attach our faith to serving him. Lisa, when you're here uh, cleaning the bathrooms on Monday nights, where are you, Lisa? Lisa? Um, I think it would be okay to you, for you to say, Father, I'm doing this because I love you. And uh, if there's something you want to bless me with, something you want to release over my life, uh, I want to receive that. I want to welcome that. Father, you're so good. And... Uh, I know that I don't have to be here tonight on a Monday night cleaning the men's room. But I am. And I'm not doing it for the men. I'm doing it for you, Lord. Uh, and so I just receive of you an overflow of favor and wealth and blessing and kindness because you've promised, Father, if I'll build your house, you'll build mine. Every one of you, uh, we had about 30 of you, not counting the children, so maybe 60 of you show up for the huddle at 9.15 this morning. We started our morning huddles as Team New Horizon. Bless you for coming. Wow. Uh, but you're leaving the house now 15 or 20 minutes earlier on a Sunday. And I don't know what you're going to miss out on as you do that, but the Lord wants you to know that what you're going to gain is going to be so much bigger than what you're going to miss out on. 
he, he wants you to know that he's so blessed that you love his house and that you chose to make his house special and that you chose to make the people of God a priority. And, and he wants every one of us to kill every ounce of the martyr spirit. Woe is me. Oh, I just have to. Oh, God's making me do this. Oh, I only do this because I have to. Oh, I wish I didn't have to serve. Oh, what a pain in the rear. Oh, I got to give up this day now. Oh, I got to get down there. Oh, I have to. Oh, I have to. Oh, I have to. Oh, I have to. Oh, I got to, ha, ah, kill it. Kill it. Get it out. Get it out. Put it to death. Crucify it. It's a demon spirit attached to the church that is not the truth of the gospel. It's not the truth of the word. It's not the truth of God's heart toward you. Get it out. Get it out of your life. Every time it shows up in your imagination, kill it. If it shows up in a friend or spouse's imagination and pops out their mouth, kill it. Oh, no, you didn't have to. You get to. You get to. You get to. You get to. Oh, but here's how the martyr spirit worked in... Here's how the martyr spirit worked in the religion of old as we were growing up in religion. You're adding jewels to your crown. Oh, oh, bless you. Bless you. You just made your acreage larger. Your mansion is going to have wallpaper. Oh, ble oh, bless you. You just put columns in your heavenly home. Yeah, this is the... The religious spirit would put all of the blessing into heaven. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the sweet by and by, that's when you'll be blessed. That's a religious spirit. That's a martyr spirit. That keeps you showing up but wishing you hadn't, huh? That keeps you showing up and wondering where everybody else is. Where, where, where's everybody else on my nursery team? Shut up and serve. Don't worry about them. They flaked out, but you didn't flake out. And since you didn't flake out, you got the reward of the Lord on your life. I knew I shouldn't have stood up. Oh, but you're getting jewels in your crown. Hogwash. No, I'm setting myself up for a week of victory. I'm setting myself up for freedom like you've never seen. I'm setting myself up. Oh, I'm going to get real sacrilegious now. I'm setting myself up for a bank account that's going to blow your mind. I'm setting myself up for cars that don't wear out. I'm setting myself up for a retirement that's going to blow your mind. I'm setting myself up. That's Matthew 10, 29. The disciples were worried about all this. And they said, Lord, Lord, what's in it for us? Jesus, we've given up everything to follow you. And he said, well, how about a hundred times? How about a hundred times in this life? With eternal life and the one to come.
He didn't say that for them. He said that for us. He said that for you. He said that for you. He said that for you. Did you know those disciples that heard that that day even? You know, they didn't even have to believe it. Why? The moment I start talking about reward, you start talking about all, you start thinking about all the people that didn't get one. Did you know they're none of your business? Did you know you don't know that they actually exercise faith or not? It could very well be they actually heard from the Lord and they never attached faith to what it was they were called to do. Not just the faith to do it, but the faith that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. That's the leader loss of the kingdom. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, we thank you today that you are rich toward us. And we open our hearts to you. And we make a shift within. And we sever and break ties with the martyr spirit. We agree today that we will serve you with gladness. We will come with joyful shouting. We thank you for all you've done in our lives. Keep your heads bowed just for a moment. If you're here giving your life to the Lord this morning, if you're here wanting to make things right with him, I'm going to ask.